business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi. And uh, I got my blackjack gum here. And I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feel. That something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get together, have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Anybody move, I'll blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, Oh my god. I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Well, then, this calls for the old Billy Barul. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Ah, well, the year is almost over. That we can definitely say. What is going on, everyone? It is Saturday night. It is... Uh, we're close to on time. We're, we're earlier than usual. What is going on, everybody? It is THD Movie Review. It is I, Boxman, David Richardson, whatever you feel like. And, of course, across from me, Double A. What's up, Anthony? What's going on, bro? Not much, man. Not much. Fucking. <sighs> I finally went shopping today for my fiance. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yes. Today, that's what I just you sure you, said. You, you, sure, you sure you want to commit prosperity on the uh, THC show here? Uh, it's, it's it's okay. I, uh, <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, look, the later you go, the less selection you have, which immediately you, you, you don't have all the choices. You're not stressed out. You just go, you get what's left, and you get the fuck out. That's how you do it, man. Yeah. There's a method to my madness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, plus, so, you know, good strategy, too, because sometimes a lot of these stores are trying to get the shit out as fast as possible so they'll work with you on the price, too. Yes. Uh, Shaheen says, I believe he's saying, I sound exhausted. Um, I might have had a few shots of tequila before the show. That could have something to do with it. I'm just saying, maybe one, two, maybe five. But, um,. <laughs> You know, a couple shots, never hurt anybody, 
Tequila, when it's cold, tequila keeps me warm. That's what it is. It's 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 a heating method to me. That's what it is. But uh, now I've got a few beers here, and uh, I'm actually excited, man. We are about to do probably the most controversial when it comes to the Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie. Uh, even over Lethal Weapon, Die Hard seems to be the most controversial. Is it a Christmas movie? Is it? <laughs> That's an alcoholic statement. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help that this movie was in the summer. Uh, my birthday, uh, by coincidence, July 15th. Was it really? Was it? Okay. July 15th, 1988. I would have been uh, three at that point, so I don't want to make you feel like an old bastard, but fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I was three about, what, 40 then? <laughs> All right. So let's just skip that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I didn't even realize that. That 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 might have a little bit to do of. And, you know, Uproxx had a thing saying it's definitely a Christmas movie. Um, another website I saw said it wasn't a Christmas movie. So uh, it all depends on who, what you're listening or reading your your fan bases. Uh, to me, this is a Christmas movie. As is Lethal Weapon. Uh, Uncle Buck, to me, is a Christmas movie. So, you know, not everyone agrees. Well, it takes place around Christmas time. Yes. Most Christmas movies do play, do take place around that that vicinity of time. That's why they're called Christmas movies. Yes. Yes. Halloween movies, same thing. Yes. That's yes. A, the controversy mainly. What? Anthony? Uh, what, what? I'm guessing like the controversy no. comes around the fact. Yeah, I'm here. No, go ahead. I'm guessing go ahead. the controversy mainly comes from the fact that, you know, you know, when you look at most Christmas movies, it's the overarching getting together with the family. And this Die Hard doesn't really have it. It's more like Christmas is like the backdrop and not the focal point of the movie. Well, it's an action movie. So, okay. Ruthless Rewind brings up um, Gremlins. I consider Gremlins a Christmas movie. I do watch Gremlins around Christmas time. Really? I do. Ah, that's it. <laughs> and that's a good one, by the way. Gremlins is a good one. I, I I love me some fucking Gremlins. The first one, of course, I think is the best. The second one, hmm, they didn't really jump the shark in the second so one, but 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 it was still a good movie. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, and I'm sure we're missing a ton. There's a ton of movies that people consider around the Christmas time. You know, is it a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? It's really, you know what? It's really up to you how you feel, what your definition of a Christmas movie is, I guess. Right? Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, we talked about this last week. You, as Because basically, like, in Die Hard, for example, it's like it, the theme is like a Christmas party, you know. He's trying mm -hmm. to save, you know, a, a Christmas party goes awry. Terrorists get involved. Uh, do you think that just having... The, those elements of you know Christmas party you see like a Christmas hat is snowing at one point. Do you think that's enough to justify Die Hard as a Christmas movie, 
or do you think it should have had more of a Christmas theme throughout? No. You know, exchanging gifts, fucking, uh, you know, trying to trying to rush home to get the presents to kids. I, you know, what do you what do you what do you stand on that? Well, he is there to be with his kids. That was one of the reasons he was coming was for Christmas, not just for the party, but to be with the kids. That's one of the reasons he was coming up there. You know, they show him in one scene in the in you know in the bathroom right before the uh, terrorists come in. And, you know, he's looking at a picture of his kids on the back. It says, you know, miss you, daddy, love, I think, Lucy and John. So, you know, he's there to see his kids. So that bring there you go. There's the bringing presents to kid aspects. He does have a giant teddy bear. Remember, Argyle's holding that, bail, that bad boy hostage in the limo. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a Christmas party. There's cocaine. Thank you to Ellis. And I will definitely get into Ellis, by the way, because I have to be honest, I believe he is one of the greatest characters in movie history. And I hate that they killed him off. I believe he should have had a little part in every single Die Hard. He should have just shown up, been annoying, and got the fuck out. That's it. That's it. <laughs> But I believe Ellis should not have been uh, killed, which we will get to that whole part uh, in a little while here. But yeah, and you know, Shaheen is bringing up Home Alone is the best Christmas movie. Christmas movie, then A Christmas Story, then Elf. I believe A Christmas Story. I've said before is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Uh, and then I... National Lamp, Christmas Vacation, and third to me is Scrooged. That's it. There you go. My top so, three. Uh, My top three. Okay. So I, I guess as a top five, what would you? What else would you throw in to round it out? Mm. Ooh, I would have to throw this in there, and I mean, like I said, I watch Gremlins. Uh, that that would have to be up there. So because I, I do watch Gremlins during this time. Uh, but yeah, Christmas Vacation and A Christmas Story are probably literally on Christmas morning, uh, with my, you know, with my smart TV, I get a USB, I drop those three movies on there, and I usually just play them all day. So, makes it easy. That's, that's, that's kind of what I do. Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation, and Scrooged. I love... I don't know what it is, and look, I know Scrooge is one of uh, not one of the most popular of Christmas movies, but I like Bill Murray. It's one of my. It's just one of my favorites. Again, you know what? It it's it is what you now. Go ahead, Anthony. Give us your top five. Uh, Christmas Story would have to be at the top of the list because yes. that movie is iconic. Just the, proof is in the pudding. TNT mm. was it TBS or TNT? I think it was TBS. Every mm -hmm. year, they will play it basically 24 hours around the clock. Uh, I probably, yep. Actually, so, it should start uh, at midnight it's... tonight. This is you. They usually Sorry, started what? at midnight tonight playing it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and it I, goes I, I, yeah, through. Yeah, I took a break from it the last couple of years, but at the peak of my <laughs> markdom for that movie, I will literally watch it. Not around the clock, but I would watch it a good five to six times. Because I like the movie that fucking much. Mm -hmm. So I would mm -hmm. put that first. Home Alone, number two. 
The original Home Alone is a classic. Yep, we did that last year. That's in the archives. No, no doubt. Check that out. Uh, number three, I will put uh, Christmas Vacation. <sighs> number okay. four is where it gets murky for me. Uh, I, I, I'm torn between Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And uh, okay. uh, number five will be uh, Elf. Elf. All right. I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I have not seen Elf. Oh, you got I am ashamed. You have to see Elf. You have to. I know. I'm, I'm waiting another few seconds. Shaheen is about to flip out. He's about, he, I know he's running back to his computer right now. This motherfucker hasn't seen Elf? What the fuck is going on here? I have not. And I promised him I would watch it, so I'll tell you what, Shaheen. I will watch Elf tomorrow. And I promise. Put, put it to you like this, Box. It's Will Ferrell at his man-child best. I love Will Ferrell. I do. I love Talladega Nights. Old school. Uh, and, and, and Zoolander's a Ben Stiller movie, but Will Ferrell's in it. Pretty much any movie Will Ferrell is in, I like. I do. I like Will Ferrell. And, you know, they say he's a fucking snooze fest off camera, but I don't give a shit about that. That's fine with me. He can fucking sit there and do whatever he wants. But let's <laughs> just see Shaheen ran back. That's disgusting. Who the fuck hasn't seen Elf? I promise you, Shaheen, I will watch the movie tomorrow. I do. I promise it will happen. I will watch it. Don't have. Don't worry. Calm down. But, and, and I just, um, just to, I'm sorry, just to give you a little more incentive to mm -hmm. catch the movie. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that you know are in this film. You got James Caan. Mm -hmm. You got uh, Mary Steenburgen. You got Ed okay. Asner. You got Bob Newhart. Oh. You got Faison right. Love. You got Amy Sedaris. You got Andy Richter. You got uh, John Favreau. Peter Billingsley. He's uncredited, uh, though. Peter Billingsley, who did... A Christmas Story, and you named uh, Andy uh, Andy Rickman, right? Yeah, Rickner, yeah. Rickner or Rickman? Uh, Richter. Okay, 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 sorry. Go ahead. All right, wow. Amazing. Yeah, hey, Look at yeah that. I'm telling you, Box, you see this movie, you'll love it. I will definitely check it out tomorrow. I've got nothing to do. I have uh, a few more days off of work. I will definitely fucking check it out. I promise I will check it out. So, I don't know. What do you say we get into this movie? I mean, this is a movie that people... I mean, this is Die Hard. I mean, if you haven't seen Die Hard by now, this is a 1988 movie. Um, you know, Anthony, I'm thinking we might not have... I mean, this is a, an 88 movie that we might not have to go completely scene for scene. I've got most, I mean, there's a lot of action in between these scenes that, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and play fucking gunshots and explosions for you guys. Um, but I do have a few scenes loaded up here. And, uh, you know, I, I know everybody wants to uh, get some rest and tomorrow's Christmas Eve, might be some traveling. We're not going to keep you all night tonight. We're not going to keep you for the whole movie. So we'll go through... You know, we'll mention some parts. We'll 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 play a few clips, and uh, we'll wrap it up. But I mean, you know, this movie, of course, um, like I said, it, if you haven't seen Die Hard by now, I, I I'm sure Shaheen's going. We well, haven't fucking seen Elf, so what the fuck, man? 
but I, I see Shaheen right now. Right now, I haven't seen any of the diehards. My God. Yeah. Shaheen Honestly, you know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, such an artsy just... kind of guy. Jesus Christ, Shaheen. You, you fucking, fucking barista motherfucker. God damn it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're not going to do that, Fox. We're not. We're not I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, my, you know, my New Year's resolution as a part of the THC family is to be a better broadcaster, to be more sensitive to uh, my fellow man and fellow woman. Really? Okay. Yes. Yes. Not, you know, yeah, exactly. Not to make, you know, salacious statements about people and, you know, make fun of people. Because that's not what we do on TH2. THT in 2018, 2018, our model's going to be, we do better. Uh, sure. That model will change. We're going to class it up. That as model's going to change. As I, as I lie through my fucking teeth. Yeah, that model should change by, like, January, our next show. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's not worry about it. By the way, this is our last show of 2017 for me and you. Um. No, you know what? We have one more, the 30th, next week. I'll do one next week. Yeah. Yeah, looking at the calendar, one more. This is not our last show, so we will see y'all one more motherfucking time before next week is next year is over. So, anyway, let's get into this movie. Like I said, I, I'm a little shocked Shaheen hasn't seen any of the diehards, but... Shaheen doesn't really like the action exploding uh movies like I do. I'm I'm the stereotypical dude drinking beer, watching shit blowing up. That's me. That's that's just what I am. I don't know. I like the action movies. I like the the shit blowing up and I really do like Bruce Willis. I mean, I you know what? That's what we'll do real quick. We'll kind of get to some of the cast. Uh, and Anthony, I'm sure it's on your mind. Did I happen to find any fucking NYPD blue guys? Yep. I got to admit, I was worried. Because this movie was so old. I was worried. But I pulled out three of them. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was actually a regular role in NYPD Blue. We've got uh, the first one we have is Bill Marcus. Uh, wasn't a big, huge, you know, role in the movie, but um, you know, he was in the movie. He was one of the uh, city engineers when they were doing the part about uh, having to shut off the grid. Um, so you know, that's that's one of them. And these were three in a row. Strangely, the next one we have is another city worker, Rick Ducumman. Jesus Christ, he's got a fucking hard name. And the third one wait, 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 is, wait, wait, wait. yeah, pause, pause for a second. Yes, <laughs> you said his name was what? Okay, D U C O M M U N Ducumman. Do come in. I'm do come saying, in and do come in and you follow that up with hard. I just I don't know. Basically, his name is some German like Duhast or some Ramstein shit. 
Uh, just leave it at that, okay? Uh, and then we have Matt Landers. That's an easy one. Uh, he played Captain Mitchell. Now, Matt Landers is the one that actually had a pretty big part in uh, NYPD Blue. He was in, you know, he was only in three episodes, but he was a sergeant that uh, Andy Sipowitz, uh had a lot to do with. So it was it was a pretty cool thing, man. Pretty cool that I actually found three because I will admit I was very worried uh, with that movie being so old that I wasn't actually going to be able to find any. But, of course, I did. Uh, let's go with some of the main parts in this movie. There's really not a lot of heavy-hitting actors in this movie. It's 1988. Bruce Willis was just, would you say just getting really popular after Moonlighting? Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously he had done, a, you know, some odd, odd movies here and there. Did a movie mm-hmm. with uh, Kim Basinger that I enjoy, Blind Date, you know, it's mm-hmm. a rom-com. But I, I, I'm a Bruce Willis fan, so pretty much, especially during this era, I, I was like, anything he was in, I was pretty much a, a mark for. We'll say, yeah. like, he, he was mostly main, he was mostly known for uh, Moonlighting, and this was like his big breakout role. This, was this, let me, let me go back a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, he had done a few things here. He was in 1980. He did something he was uncredited for. 1980 again. He did two things actually. He was uncredited for as extras. Uh, three in 1982, he did another uncredited role. Wow, how did he let himself go? He did a quick Miami Vice. Uh, he was in a Twilight Zone in the TV series, one episode in '85. Uh, but Die Hard. Um, was actually his breakout role. He was still in the middle of actually the TV show Moonlighting. TV show Moonlighting was 1985 to 1989. So he was still in the middle of that show. And that show was a really big fucking show, even though it only lasted 60-some episodes. Yeah. And, uh, but, you, know, uh, you know, were you a fan of that show? I was. I really was. I actually did like that show. Um, But, you know, after that, after Die Hard, he got Look Who's Talking. And I really think Look Who's Talking, the voice of the baby, might have been, in ways, it was more of a breakout role for him. Because it showed that he could be funny as well as the action guy, you know what I mean? Um, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because immediately after that, his career blew the fuck up. Die Hard 2, Look Who's Talking 2. And then he did a couple weird movies, Bonfire of the Vanities, Mortal Thoughts, Hudson Hawk, Billy Bathgate, Last Boy Scout, The Player, Death Becomes Her, which is a funny fucking movie. It is. And, Striking uh, and, and, distance. And I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to uh, make note here. Mm-hmm. People shit on Hudson Hawk, but I don't care what anybody says. That movie is fucking phenomenal. I love it. Oh, you can shit on Hudson Hawk all you fucking want. Good that was fucking, fucking movie. I loved it. <laughs> even fucking uh, that's even got an NYPD Blue. David Caruso's in that movie. Oh shit! You're right. Yes, he's one of the um, the candy bar crew in the beginning of the of uh, right when they show him first. Yeah, he's in that fucking movie, man. Yeah, 
Have I not explained to you already that every fucking movie, that's why we do the gimmick on the show. Every movie. Someone from yeah. NYPD Blue. Uh, yeah, Danny's seen Death Becomes Her more than 20 times. I have to say, it's one of my mom's favorite fucking movies. She loves watching that. That's Meryl yeah. Streep. Uh, Goldie uh, Hawn. Goldie Hawn, Bruce. It's, it's, it, it is a funny movie. Matter of fact, it's been on TV lately, so... But uh, uh, Goldie Hawn, you know, still looks good. By the way, mm-hmm. she doesn't she's age. She really, she doesn't age. She's in no. her seventies now. She got to be in her seventies, but she still looks the fucking same. <laughs> she does. She still looks good. Let's uh, roll a little bit here. His wife, who's only in the first and second one, I believe, uh, Bonnie Bedella is Holly Gennaro McLean. Uh, the other notable actor is Reginald Vell Johnson from, uh, he's plays Sergeant Al Powell and he was in, um, Anthony, what's the show with Urkel Family that he Matters. was in? Family Matters. Thank you. I couldn't, I said I did some tequila shots before the show. Uh, he was in Family Matters. So that, I believe that was pretty much his real big role that got him the, all the acting gigs he got. He wasn't in too many movies either. Um, he had a little cameo in the second one. Uh, second one, I mean, the Die Hard 2. Um, then we get, of course, Paul Gleason. Beloved great actor. Paul, Gle- Paul Gle- I mean, the great, exactly. The late, great Paul Gleason. He was uh, Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. Um, obviously the principal from Breakfast Club. Do I need to go anymore? Uh, Trading Place another classic we reviewed uh, last week. Just from last week, exactly. So we're doing two back-to-back Paul Gleason uh, little movies here. We have William Atherton, who played, uh, who was Richard Thornburg, the dickhead reporter, who was also in um, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, the original. Uh uh, Ellis, Ellis, who was played by Hart Bachner, who didn't do very much. Um, Alan Rickman played Hans Gruber, and another good actor. The only other really actor I believe we need to mention is uh, Devoro. Would you call him? Is is that is that it? Devoro White, Argyle. Oh yeah, the limo driver. I mean. Uh, he used for, I mean, he, his role was, like, limited, but I actually enjoyed his little role in the movie. I wish he kind of had, like, he should have been, like, a recurring character. Because I liked him in the he, first one. I figured, like, he should have been, like, I don't know how they would have put him, fit him into the other ones. But he could have been, like, mm-hmm. a, like a, a sidekick type of role. He was funny. Yeah, he should have been a little bit of a, of a recurring actor, too. Now, he was also in the movie Trespass with uh, Ice-T, Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Um, Jesus Christ, that, that that was a who's who of uh, up-and-coming actors back then, that movie Trespass. Um, but yeah, he was in that movie also. He played Lucky. He was um, the bad guy's brother. I can't remember who the bad guy in that movie was played by. There was so many fucking people in that movie. So, But yeah, he's one and another one. But I do want to mention, give me one second and let me find him. He wasn't a very popular actor in this movie. Matter of fact, he had no speaking roles. You barely saw him. 
but he is known for another movie. Uh, Wilhelm von Homburg. You may go, who the fuck is this and why is he mentioning him? He was also Vigo in the Ghostbusters 2 movie. V, remember the, the painting that came to life, the villain in that movie? Yeah, yeah. He was in this movie, and I read something on him that I did not know. This man was a professional wrestler in the 1950s in Germany. Oh, shit. Yep. Then went to boxing. Um, he's no longer with us. He died in 2004 at the age of 63. Uh, but he... He's in this movie, and it was I just never knew that he was any kind of wrestler or anything but a wrestler, a boxer. Uh, he was also Charles Makeham Diggs in the movie Diggstown. Did you ever see Diggstown, Anthony? Uh, yeah, it's been a long time, but I, I remember that movie. That's going to be another one I do want to get into sometime next year. Uh, another underrated movie. Uh, James Woods is in it, um, Lou Gossett Jr. is in it, Heather Graham is in it, Oliver, Oliver Platt is in that movie, Bruce Dern is in that movie. I mean, you'd figure with all these fucking actors, it's got to be a good movie, and it's really an underrated movie. I like the movie. I think it's awesome. We'll, 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 we'll get to that movie sometime next year. <clears throat> but, um, you know, this movie for 1988... Probably the, I believe this was supposed to be the vehicle for Bruce Willis to sort of come out as an action star. I do. Yeah. That, I, yeah you you agree with that, Anthony? Uh, uh, yeah, different kind of action star, I believe. Yes. What do you mean by that? Because if you can, I mean, if you, I mean, if you look at like what Stallone was doing at the time, what uh, Schwarzenegger was on at the time. They kind of position Bruce Willis as more or less like a regular guy that could do like extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really stop and think about it, I mean, he wasn't like a big yeah. jacked up dude. He was literally no. just like an everyman that was just doing some extraordinary things. He just happened to have the ability to do some shit. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you mentioned Stallone and Schwarzenegger. These three all did have a very successful restaurant at the time, Planet Hollywood. Not at this time. I think it was a few. When did Planet Hollywood? If you don't mind looking that up real quick, when Planet Hollywood was uh, founded. But it was these three guys that basically. It was, I believe it was too, but it was those three guys that really founded it. Now, there's stories of people who knew Bruce Willis when he was first doing acting. And. He was a bartender, and some of the stories are that Bruce Willis was one of the guys that never left the bar alone, if you know what I mean. Uh, I Bruce Willis, mm-hmm, he was definitely a fucking pussy-getting motherfucker. Uh, from every time I've ever heard a story of anyone who you know, was telling stories about the old Bruce Willis, that's, you know, the story you hear is that he was definitely never leaving the bar alone. Uh, oh. Always had a woman on his arm. So oh, I do got that info on uh, Planet Hollywood if you want me to shoot mm-hmm. it to you. Mm-hmm. So it was founded on uh, October 22nd, 1991. Wow. Headquarters was Orlando, Florida. You're not good at woods. 
the yeah, key people yeah, yeah, involved yeah. as investors. I mean, the founders were a guy, were guy, two guys named Keith Barish and uh, Robert Earl. The right. uh, founders were uh, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Demi Moore, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They were the investors. Well, Bruce Willis was with Demi Moore at the time, so yeah. You had to throw her in, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I knew these three had something to do with it. I, I I thought they were founders. I knew they were, and I'm not sure if Planet Hollywood is still around today, but I do know their first one, I believe, was Universal Studios. Uh, Yeah, they actually still have some around, though, so no, it's not closed okay. now. I've been to one before. I have been to one. Yeah, I'm trying. Let me see here. Restaurants for merchandise stores, so they have one. Disneyland Paris, that's in Disney mm. Village. That opened in July of 96. It's one in Las mm. Vegas. The Forum Shops at Caesars, that opened in July of 94. Got one in London at the Haymarket. That relocated in June of 2009. Got one in Los Angeles at the uh, Tom Bradley International Terminal. That opened in November of 2016. One in New York, of course, Times Square. That relocated in November of 2000. And then you have Walt Disney World, Disney Springs. That opened... October of 94, renovation to Planet Hollywood Observatory, and that, and that opened in 2017 this year. Oh, really? So there is still a... They revamped it again. They revamped it. It just it doesn't get as hmm. much play as it did back in the 90s, early 2000s, but if you look around and do your research, they're still around. Oh, it's... I'm sure it's a different thing now. I'm sure it's been corporate... I'm sure a corporation owns it. And yeah, you know, once the corporation owns it, it's uh, it turns shitty. So I I wouldn't doubt if Disney owns it at this point. Oh shit! I actually had some uh, interesting back toys and in, uh, looking this up here. Okay. Uh, they got a lot of uh, celebrity endorsements. Do you want to hear some of the names? Yes, I actually do. Go for it. So you got a uh, okay actress actress Whoopi Goldberg, actor Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, Don Ooh. Johnson and Melanie Griffin, uh, <laughs> director John Hughes, Roseanne Barr, Tom Arnold, Wesley Snipes, and Danny Glover. Wow, that was a fucking who's who back then, man. So Any those of those were all... names surprise you or stick out to you? Those were all investors back in the early 90s, is what you're saying? That's what it's saying, like, I, no, at different points. It doesn't specify what... But I would guess, like, over the course of the, like, you know, from the time they opened throughout the 90s, maybe early 2000s. Oh, well, everyone was trying to get in on that place, but none of those names really surprise me. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg surprises me a little bit because, you know, she's she was always sort of anti-Hollywood. Uh, yeah, wasn't she always sort of anti-Hollywood and this yeah, and that? Going against the grain. Um, yeah, Wesley Snipes that... doesn't surprise me because he could have used the money. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, he, uh, look, he had some tax problems. We, 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 we just, we'll, we'll, we, we, I think we've discussed that, but we, we definitely need to do uh, a, a Snipes movie soon. Uh, uh John Hughes kind of like sticks out as a little surprising because he, I don't, I don't want to say he was anti-Hollywood, but he kind of struck me as like a rake, a rake loose. Somebody that yeah. really wasn't into the scene. Yeah, but he also... Seemed like a very smart man and was probably trying to get in on the ground floor. Uh, you know, look, you you got that many names. You know, Schwarzenegger at the time was 
gigantic. Stallone was gigantic. Bruce Willis was like up and coming. Still at the, you know, eh, not really at the time. At the time, he was blowing the fuck up, you know. So I could see any, really anyone who put money into that company wouldn't surprise me, you know. But Van Damme, Van Damme is actually surprising for some. I don't know why, but Van Damme kind of surprised me that he was involved. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all, because I know he was always around. I I believe him and Bruce Willis might actually be friends. I know they've never done anything together, but I think they're friends. Or actually, did they do a uh, Expendables together? Weren't they in Expendables together? All right. Maybe, uh, maybe not. Cause... I don't know. <laughs> Last little fun fact that I want to uh, get into about Planet Hollywood, then we can get back to Die Hard. So, uh, stock trading. So, on April of 96, Planet Hollywood went public. The company stock price reached an all-time high of $32 on the first day of trading. By 1999, it was down to less than a dollar. The company has gone bankrupt twice. Nearly 100 locations have closed worldwide, leaving about eight currently open. Wow. Yeah, so, that was one mistake they did. They went to everywhere. They over they over expanded. They went to every fucking city. They got greedy. Planet Hollywood. Planet Hollywood tried to go the hard rock route and even hard rock had to back off a little bit. Uh yeah. you know, so I mean, you know, the hard rock is still around. I mean, you know, go, go the Gold Casino in Fort La- Fort Lauderdale, the Hard Rock Casino, but Planet Hollywood was trying to do what Hard Rock Cafe was trying to do. They were trying to go every city and be the same thing. No. And unfortunately, most cities had a Hard Rock Cafe. And Planet Hollywood was sort of a I'm not going to say a second rate hard rock, but yeah. you know, it was just a, a look, you had your hard rock for the music fans and your Planet Hollywood for the movie fans, but I don't know. Hard rock just had the fucking name and that's why they're still around and very few Planet Hollywoods. I don't, you know, as you just said, I mean, Vegas and Disney and that's about it. I mean, honestly, if they had kept it, Planet Hollywood, in my opinion, should have been like a, a tourist destination. You make people travel to see you because, you know, yeah. you're not going to have Bruce Willis coming, making an appearance at like the Planet Hollywood in fucking Cleveland. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So keeping it like Vegas, New York, uh, L.A., like, you know, the Hollywood type places, the major markets. Mm-hmm. And then like, like make yeah. it a destination point. Mm hmm. And, you know, even WWE tried to jump on this little uh, type bandwagon with WWE New York. Yeah. When they tried Which the restaurant a, I mean, thing. Yeah. yeah. I Big mean, that flop. was a mistake because it's a niche thing. I mean, we like wrestling, but... And, and from what I heard, like, the food itself was pretty good, but... Unless you're, like, a hardcore wrestling fan, which is what they needed that store to have, it mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be a place that... Especially in New York. <laughs> Where the rent was, the, they probably got killed on rent alone. Yeah, yeah, that was probably pretty, uh, not the best fucking place, so. I don't know. Oh, there you go. Yeah, even Weebs is saying there's nine locations total operating of Planet Hollywood. 
Wow, he went to the one in Hawaii and Hong Kong. Jesus, weebs. Aren't you the world traveler? And uh, yes, Weebs uh, says that Van Damme and uh, Bruce Willis were in the second Expendables. I thought they did one together. Boy, I'll bet they just sat there and had a great time talking about those old days when Planet Hollywood went bankrupt. <laughs> yes. <Lordy>. But I, mean, <laughs> I just didn't know how you could bring this movie up without bringing up Planet Hollywood because Bruce Willis was one of the faces with Stallone uh, and, you know, Demi Moore. Like I said, they were together at the time and uh, Schwarzenegger. So they were all for the faces of Planet Hollywood at that time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you would have it, it. It it was a cool little place, man. I liked it. I remember it. I went there a couple times. I don't remember where. I don't remember where I went to Planet Hollywood, but um, my parents might remember, but I, I don't know. When we were, when my sister did the horse uh, shows, we traveled fucking all over the country in the summer, so it could have been anywhere, is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess we'll get back to Die Hard now. Um, basically, we start off, he's on an airplane, we know he's heading to go see his wife because he sort of talks about it a little bit, but he's heading to L.A. Um, and he, you know, he's not very comfortable flying. Bruce Willis is, uh, you know, and again, this is the first Die Hard, so they're sort of shaping the fucking character. Um, you know, Bruce Willis plays the, you know, tough guy, not really, you know, tough cop. Hasn't really been anywhere. He's a New York cop. He's NYPD. <laughs> he is NYPD blue, my friend. Uh, so <laughs> I am watching that again right now. Um, but um, he meets one guy on the plane. He's obviously scared. And I wanted to play this part. Just I don't even know why I wanted to play it. But I do want to play this part. This is the first guy he meets on the plane. And it's really... Some of the first words in the movie are uh, this guy right here. Here we go. You don't like flying, do you? What gives you that idea? You want to know the secret to surviving air travel? After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes? <laughs> I know, I know, it sounds crazy. Trust me, I've been doing it for nine years. Yes, sir, better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. <laughs> okay. It's okay, I'm a cop. Trust me, I've been doing this for 11 years. There you go. And right there we see, um, you know, he the guy noticed his gun. And uh, this was when cops could carry guns on planes. I'm not sure if they even can do that anymore, to be honest with you. I think you got to be a fucking marshal now uh, to get a gun on a plane. But, um, you know, the guy gives him a little secret, obviously. You know, if, you, uh, if you've ever been on a plane, that's the, that's the salesman 
That's the traveling salesman who knows everything about flying. Um, but again, Bruce Willis has the little bear, the giant bear, not a little bear, but uh, the giant bear that he's bringing to his kids. Um, I need to, uh, give me a second here. I need to shut down Mixer over here because it is jamming up pretty bad. So, yeah, you know, the, the, he, he kind of shows. And, of course, you got Bruce Willis, who, of course, uh, when he's walking out of the plane, has a little uh, little stare down with the stewardess. Once again, he's a pussy-getting motherfucker. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what I, so you, you, honestly, you're right about I mean, you can see why. You, you can kind of see why, you know, you told that little story. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, you can't really I just have a knack. And like Bruce Willis, you could just tell he's a nat- he's a natural salesman. You could tell like he's the type of guy that kind of walk into a club, walk into a place, and not really do like, like do the least but get the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you were like man. that. I'm sure you were like that in your younger days, box. Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. Uh, no, 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 no. But we do get to meet Ellis at this point. He sits that he's actually talking to. Uh, we also get to meet Holly here, Gennaro McLean, John McLean's wife, ex-wife, almost ex-wife. Um, and uh, Ellis is talking to her, but we also get to meet Argyle right here. Um, I kind of want to play this part because these guys, and Anthony's right, Argyle should have been in every movie, or at least a quick cameo, because they're kind of... They're kindred spirits, yet they're worlds apart. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis isn't used to traveling, and Argyle isn't used to driving. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play the scene real quick. This is another one of the scenes that I'm going to roll out. Here we go. On your limo drive. Nice bear. Okay. Argyle. What do we do now? I was uh, hoping you could tell me. It's my first time driving a limo. Uh, it's okay. It's my first time riding in one. Relax. We got everything in this mug, man. Look at this. CD, CB, TV, telephone, full bar, VHS. <laughs> Your friends have to try. Let's pause there real quick. Anthony, Yo. do you know what a CB is? Like a CB radio? Okay. At least you know. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad you at least know. I've met people who don't even know what a CB radio is. The fact that truckers use it. It's called the Citizens Band. Um, good. I'm I'm at least glad you know what a CB radio is. <laughs> That's good. And, and look, I, I, promise, I promise no jokes here. Have you ever used one before? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, me and my friends in Florida all had them. It was the easy way to talk to each other. They're still around. Truckers still use the shit out of them. Um, but me and my buddies had them and, uh, in Florida. And I mean, I had literally, I could switch mine to horn. I had a horn sticking uh, that I could, I could use a PA system out of my CB. So I could do that, and all of my friends had them, and we talked. That pre cell phones, that was pretty much how we talked to each other. 
we all got CBs, like eight or nine of us got CBs. And the, you know, because they weren't very well known, not well known, but well used, um, it was it was always good to use. And I'll tell you what, when I drove from my dad, I drove a truck. Never hurt to keep that son of a bitch on 19 because they would tell you where every cop was. Like Weebs was saying, stay ahead of the police. All you got to do is find out where the fucking, hey, where where the Smokies at, and they'll tell you where all the cops are. Nice. Truckers are very yeah, friendly. No, go ahead, boss. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying, truckers are very, very friendly, uh, especially on the CB because they think you're a trucker until they, you know, until they don't. But. It's, it's, uh, CB can be very fucking handy, man. Very handy. Now, when they first came on the scene, like, were they expensive? Uh, they first came on the scene in the early, I would say, actually, late 70s. Mid 70s, late 70s. I don't know how long truckers have been using them, but I, I mean, my dad had one in his car. Uh, we had them in the, you know, all the trucks we drove, but you know, it, I, they weren't that expensive. They never really were. Uh, but it was a cheap way if you wanted to keep in touch with your friends and listen, my buddy from Georgia, he used to use them too up there to keep in touch with all his friends. We would go to Georgia and talk to all those guys. So yeah, man, it was a really Interesting thing back in the uh, and this was back in the early nineties. Me and all my buddies in Florida had them. They were cheap as yeah. shit. You could go buy a fucking CB for like no lie. You could get one for twenty bucks. You could get a handheld one at Radio Shack back then for twenty bucks. Nice. That was all you needed. I had one, you know, mounted into my car, but I think I paid like thirty five, forty bucks for mine. You know, and then you, you know, the, back then you had the big magnetic antennas and shit. And I don't know, man. It was always cool, though. But uh, my uh, my CB name back then was Scarecrow. <laughs> my my handle, if you will, Scarecrow. My friends so if always you ever said start I was utilizing it again. <laughs> Are you going to be like I, the uh, Silver Fox or some shit like that? Uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone uses CBs anymore, man. I don't need to use it anymore. You can get a fucking scanner on a scanner app on your phone and find out where cops are now. Now, I mean, obviously, I mean, do you think it'll ever get to a point where things like, you know, scan, like you said, the scanner app or even back then? That's why I thought it would be like super hard to get because, you know, that aspect of being able to tip people off where the cops at, you know. Mm hmm. Oh, no, dude. CBs were very easy to get back then. Anywhere. Like Radio Shack, dude. Fucking Radio Shack. Had them. Uh, every truck stop still carries them. You can still get a CB at a truck stop now. I mean, I'm... I, like I said, I know truckers still use them. So... But, yeah. I used to... Uh, it was just fun, man. It was a lot of fun to have it. And uh, I don't know, man. It'd probably be fun to still have one. Listen to uh, You can listen to truckers and shit, but I don't know, man. We had a blast with them. I'd be able to keep up with my friends. They all knew where, you know, we would all meet up at places. And 
it was great when you'd like have to <laughs> remember when you'd have to scatter from a party. You know what I mean? Ah. The cops show up and you got to scatter. Well, me and the boys would, you know, we all knew what channel to be on. If that happened, we would all tell each other pre-party and we would fucking, you know, be like, hey, get on 17. We'll 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 find you after if, if it gets busted and it would get busted. We would jump on and we would all meet up somewhere else. A lot of times we would, you know, have the keg from the party and we would meet up and have another place to fucking drink. So, pre-fucking cell phone days, man. This was beeper days I'm talking about, you know. So, instead of using fucking beepers to call each other back, we would just jump on the CB. Hey, where you at fucking, you know, where the fuck you at? And find out where they are. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, uh, this is kind of dating myself now. Hmm. Obviously, everybody had a beeper in the mid '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, remember a uh, Boost, remember Boost Mobile, which is basically an updated version of what the beeper was. Yeah, remember how they Did tried to make that a thing and it, it kind of failed miserably. Yeah, I won't say they failed; it just didn't. It, 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 what they thought it was. Yeah, meanwhile, they've made some sort of resurgence, and Boost Mobile now is actually a good company. <laughs> I mean. But yeah, I remember all those fucking. I mean, look, I had, I had beepers back then. Everyone did. But instead of having to stop at a fucking payphone, I know everyone's like, "What's the payphone?" Yeah, you put a quarter in it and it worked. It was a payphone. Um, instead of having to stop at a payphone and call each other, like I said, we would just jump on the fucking CB, get a hold of each other, and uh, find out where where to meet up. Cops yeah. were none the wiser. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kids today, these new age millennials will never understand the struggles of having to use a payphone and not having enough fucking change on you. Because, you oh. know, back in the day when you would use a payphone, it would cut you off after, like, I want to say maybe like three to four minutes. And then if you wanted to continue to call, you had to insert, like, Dom, a nickel, whatever the fuck it was. The struggle was real. Yeah. Or you would go in the gas station and you know, try to explain the guy your situation and hope to God he would let you use the phone just to call yeah. the person and say, I'll be there in five minutes. Click. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. 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 No, 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 they won't. No, no, no. These fucking millennials, they'll never know the struggle. The struggle yeah. we went through to stop at a pay phone. Then it would cut you off or the phone yeah. wouldn't work. How many pay phones did you stop at just didn't work? Yeah, oh, son of a son of a just, bitch. Just just didn't work. Or you would stop you oh, there's a payphone. You'd stop there. Oh fuck. Doesn't even have a fucking receiver. Yeah. God Hell Chris damn Chris it. Rock used to have he had an old bit. Remember the uh remember the uh, old rotary dial from parents had back way back in the day? <laughs> yeah. The fucking <laughs> It took you. Oh shit! I messed up. Gotta start over. Yeah, it did. And you know what? I my parents when I was a kid, they had one of those rotary phones in the house. Yep. And if you miss one fucking number, you had to hang up and start over again. Yep. Yep. I remember the fucking days, man. We 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 had one. My, you know, it was it, it was in the eighties. It was cool to have a rotary phone in your house. 
instead of the you know the the clear phone with the numbers in it. It was cool to have the uh, that actual you know rotary style phone, the the vintage phones, if you will. So I don't know, man. They were cool as fuck. Almost wish we could go yeah, back to um, those days, we, but uh, yeah. ain't gonna happen. Leaves is actually dropping some uh, knowledge as usual in the chat. No worry, box mm-hmm. is safe this time. The uh, budget for a Die Hard was twenty eight million, and it made. I'm sorry, the budget was twenty eight million, and the box office was one hundred and forty point eight million. Wow, lot of fucking That's money this movie made. This movie made a killing. Uh, look, this was nineteen eighty eight. They were uh, not not that they were looking for a new action star, but this is when action stars were really thriving. We've said it before, yes. your Bruce Willis, your your Schwarzenegger, your Stallone, your Jean-Claude Van Damme. They were all thriving. This was action movie years, decade. This was the action movie decade. I would say the 80s really were. Tons of action movies during the eighties, man. Oh yeah, no doubt. And but honestly, like I said, you know, we named off a few things Bruce Willis had done before this. But up and honestly, you know, he was pretty much unproven at this point. So what do you what do you attribute the popularity of Die Hard at the time? Because Bruce Willis was pretty much an unproven commodity at this. I mean, he had he was in the middle of a uh, moonlighting. He had did um his first starring role with a uh, blind date the year before this. But what do you attribute? to uh, Die Hard becoming like the hit that it was at that time. Obviously, it's easy to look back and see why it's a hit, but at this time, what do you think drew people to this movie? I think just the fact that people were so into action movies during the 80s. I mean, like we just said, this was the decade of action movies, and most of your action movies had the same guys. You had your Stallones, you had your Schwarzeneggers. Like I said, it's hard to say people were were really thirsting for a new action star, but they kind of were. You know what I mean? Something different. They wanted something. They're getting some, well, a, you know, a break from the Rockies and the Rambo's yeah. and the Terminators. Something, give us something different. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could... You know, I mean, Schwarzenegger had, you know, you had all these action movies with, you know, their their classic one-liners and stuff. But you had Bruce Willis, who really came off as a funny guy. Even when being this, yeah, even when, exactly, even when being this badass motherfucker, he could be a funny guy. You know, and I think that helped him and helped this movie. I mean, there's some funny fucking parts in this fucking movie. Um, You know, some of them are in the, you know, beginning of the fucking show, uh, you know, in the the intro for the show. But, you know, it's just people were ready. They were ready for a new action star. And obviously this franchise took off. I mean, we still have... I, I wouldn't doubt if there's another Die Hard in the works right now. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I guess to use like a wrestling analogy, I would say uh, 
Schwarzenegger and uh, Stallone were becoming like the uh, John Cena and Roman Reigns of the era, and uh, Bruce Willis was more or less the Daniel Bryan. He was the underdog yeah. that you didn't see coming, but the underdog that you wanted to see making. Yeah, I guess that'd be a good a, a good way to put it. But I mean, you know, it, it's it's again, it's hard to say people were thirsting for a new action star, but. Obviously, they they needed something, and this definitely was a movie. I mean, you know, with that fucking Jesus Christ, the box office did a hundred and forty million. Jesus Christ! And this, this is eighties money, folks. This that's the equivalent of like uh, what did a uh, uh, Titanic make? Didn't they make something like close to a billion dollars when that came oh, out? Yeah, 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 yeah. This would probably be, let's see, a hundred and forty million to. Day, I would. I'm, I'm going to guess here would probably be about a half a billion dollars today. Easy, easy. Yeah, yeah. I would say, and the tw- and well, number one, let's say you probably wouldn't have made the movie today for twenty eight million. Uh, Die Hard today would probably be a hundred million dollar movie, so it still would have been successful. It still would have been successful. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so there's uh here's all that, but let's uh let's get a little bit back to the movie here. Uh play a little bit more. I'm actually gonna play a little more of this scene with him and Argyle in the limo. Uh it sort of rounds out most of the movie, believe it or not. So let me play a little more of this and then we'll uh get to a few more scenes and uh go from there. A few mama bears we can hook up with. <laughs> Or is he married? He's married. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. It's a girl's day off. <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna sit up front. So, uh, your lady live out here? About the past six months. Meaning you still live in New York? Ah, real, since she brought up the point. Uh, Bruce Willis is so, you know, doesn't know what he's doing, not used to traveling. He's in the front seat of the limo, um, and the bear that he brought is sitting in the back seat. Now, I do want to say 90% of the limos don't even have a front, another passenger seat, so not quite sure how that worked out. Um, I've owned eight limos in my life. Not one of them have had a passenger seat. Just throwing that out there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The one I have right now, no passenger seat. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and roll this out. A little more. You always ask us many questions, Argyle. <laughs> Sorry, man. I used to drive a cab, and uh, people would expect a little chit-chat. So you divorced? Just drive the car, man. Hey, come on. You divorced? You separated? <laughs> she beat you up? <laughs> she had a good job. Turned into a great career. Now that meant she had to move here. You're very fast, Argyle. So why didn't you come? Well, why'd you come with her, man? What's up? Because I'm a New York cop. I got a six-month backlog of New York scumbags I'm still trying to put behind bars. I can't just pick up and go that easy. In other words, you thought she wasn't going to make it out here, and she'd come crawling up back to you. So why bother to pack, right? <laughs> I said, you're very fast, Argyle. <laughs> you mind if we hear some tunes? 
turn that off good fucking christmas music right there man but uh, all right they start going down a little bit and uh so finally he does show up and he's at his wife's christmas party uh this is where it all turns a little weird like i said uh i'm not gonna go through the usual movie like we do but um you know he does go through um Finally, he gets her. He sees that his wife, though, is using her maiden name, Gennaro. Yeah. Which does hurt him a little bit, um, which brings us to the, you know, that'll bring him into a little bit of a fight. And I bring that up just so I can, you know, have sort of let you know what's going on. But, you know, uh as he goes in the building, though, he finally does get into the Christmas party. Now, once he gets in, he meets um, her boss, Mr. Takagi. And um, yeah. <laughs> once she meets Takagi, or he, once he meets Takagi, they go into the office, and I swear to God, I might play every scene with Ellis. Forgive me, I've said before, I love the fucking Ellis character. So let me play a little bit of this scene. As they walk into Holly's office, Ellis is in there snorting coke. Uh, so <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and let that fucking does, part roll for you. What? What? Everybody, what, what, what? Oh, everybody no. at the Christmas party? N- never have once. Uh, but I mean, if it's gonna be a white Christmas, it's got to be a white Christmas in L.A. somehow, right? So this is how it happens. Yeah. Here we go. Ellis. I was just making a call. This is uh, the nurse. Oh, I want you to meet John McLean. Holly's husband. Holly's policeman. Ellis is in charge of international development. Heard a heck of a lot about you. <laughs> Miss something. Can I get you anything? Food? Cake? Some watered down champagne? No, thank you. I'm fine. You throw quite a party. I didn't realize they celebrated Christmas in Japan. Hey, we're flexible. Girl, how it didn't work out, so we got you a tape decks. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of, sort of a double celebration. We uh, we closed a pretty big deal today, and a lot of it was due to Holly. Am I right, Jojo? <laughs> Okay, so we get a quick serious moment in the movie. He does see his wife and soon-to-be ex-wife, and they're not getting along great, as explained in the limousine by Argyle. See how I do that? Method to my madness again. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we do go through that. Now, 
Ellis, of course, is sticking his nose in a little bit where probably it doesn't belong. Um, uh, just, he probably shouldn't have done said anything here, but I'm going to play a little more of this part and we'll, uh, we'll talk, talk in a second. She was made for the business. Tough as new. I was hoping you made that flight. Show him the watch. Later. Well, go on, show him. What are you, embarrassed? It's just a small token of appreciation for all our hard work. It's a Rolex. I'm sure I'll see you later. Is there a place where I could wash up? Sure. Okay. Now, again, you can see Ellis has a little thing for Holly. Um, it's a Rolex. It's a Rolex. Yeah. Showing off for Showing off. But uh, they get into a little argument while he's in the bathroom. Um, you know, just because of that. And, uh, you know, he, but uh, Bruce Willis does call down to Argyle to kind of uh, tell him, look, everything's cool. Because Argyle waited down there for him. And he, he told Argyle, look, I'll give you a call. And if everything's cool, I'll tell you. But while he's in the middle of the call, it gets called off. Cut off. What the fuck am I doing? God damn it. Drinking too much tonight. It gets cut off. And um, this is where we see the terrorists start taking over. This is it, Anthony. We finally yes. see We finally see uh, the another late great Alan Rickman. Um, you know, who... Jesus, I believe we just uh, lost him last year. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's coming up on two years. January 14th of 2016. Wow, man. Yeah, wow. man. Uh, you know, I probably, this would be my last wrestling analogy, but <laughs> honestly, he, he was like, well, he's one of the greatest movie heels of all time. Is that, where would you rank him? Top 10? At least top 10, top 15, top 20? Oh, Oh, he's got to be up there in top 10. And uh, he did finish his career with 69 credits. <laughs> 69, man. 69. 69 credits. I wanted to mention this early because I wanted to commit this to uh, the THC archives. Uh-huh. When Argyle and uh, Bruce Willis were having that conversation, the whole mm-hmm. time I'm watching that scene play out, I'm thinking, fuck Steve Harvey. I want Bruce Willis to write a relationship book. The man of few words. <laughs> think about it. I think about it. I, I, I can picture him going into a bar, like I said, like I said earlier, going into a club or a bar, not saying a damn thing, and walking out with <laughs> whoever he put it, set his sights on. Because I just picture oh, him yeah. not being like the talkative type. Like, like that uh, oh, I agree. Type. I agree. I believe he is just the get down to it type. Absolutely, yep. I would have like no. He's one, of the, he's, he's one of those guys. <laughs> Sorry, he's just one of those guys. You know, can basically say whatever he wants. You not not, not mm-hmm. this, in a this kind of like. Just get that while we here. Let's you know just get down to business and you know who the fuck along. <laughs> oh, he's probably the no foreplay guy. I believe Bruce Willis is the let's yeah. the let's let's the let's just fuck guy. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, he was banging Demi Moore around this time. I mean, she is... Rob Demi Moore, too. He had Demi Moore in her prime. Very, very good point, Anthony. Uh, and, of course, he was in his prime, too. And Bruce Willis still... Let's, let's, let's not joke here. He's still doing just fine for himself. Um, but let's, like I said, he was in, you know, there talking to Argyle, the phone gets cut off. Uh, these guys are already in the building and he doesn't even know it, but these guys have already infiltrated the building by this point. And, uh, we're going to go ahead and roll this scene. I thought there was more talking in this scene. Uh, by the way, every action movie back in these days had uh, a little titty, and we did see a girl getting dragged off here. Now, John McClane is in the bathroom while these guys are going through and looking for people. They want everyone together, obviously, to control the crowd. Um, but they didn't catch him. He actually ran out of there and... Uh, they don't know that John McClane is in the building at all. Um, so, you know, he's running through, trying to figure out what's going on. And eventually, Hans does start telling him a little bit of what's going on. And uh, I believe they're happy. And let's figure out exactly what is Hans telling them. Gentlemen. Uh, due to the Nakatomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the globe, they're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. You will be witnesses. Now, where is Mr. Takagi? Joseph Yoshinobu. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and play this whole scene. Uh, obviously, this is Alan Rickman. He is looking for Takagi, who is the... Basically, he sort of plays the president of the company here, I guess you could call him. Um, but this little speech he gives is sort of a sort of shows his character. His character in this movie is incredibly intelligent. Um, he's not just some, you know, thief off the street. These are very intelligent guys. He's thought this plan out. He knows exactly what he's doing. And his character is not a thug. His character is... An incredibly intelligent terrorist. So I'm going to go ahead and play this scene real quick. You got any problems with that, Anthony? No problems at all. 
I didn't think so. All right, let's go ahead and play this. It's a little long, which is why I'm explaining it right now. And uh, here we go. Takagi. Born Kyoto, 1937. Family emigrated to San Pedro, California, 1939. Interned Manzanar, 1942 to 43. Scholarship student, University of California, 1955. Law degree, Stanford, 1962. MBA, Harvard, 1970. President, Nakatomi Trading. Vice Chairman, Nakatomi Investment Group. Enough. And father of five. <laughs> I am Takagi. How do you do? It's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> All right, so they do. Oh, excuse me. Oh, man. So they do finally get Takagi. And, um, you know, that's uh, not a good thing. They're bringing him up, though, in the elevator. And Hans is, you know, again, showing his... That he's not just a... Yeah, I'll go ahead and play a little bit of this scene too while they're in the uh, elevator. Again, showing that he's not some thug off the street. He is a very, and I've said it a few times now, intelligent thief. And I'll play a little bit of this too while they're, again, in the elevator heading up. They do have Takagi hostage at this point. Nice suit. John Phillips, London. I have two myself. Rumor has it Arafat buys his there. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so there you go. They're they're implementing their plan. They got guys going any everywhere, all over the building. Guided missiles. Now, again, they don't know McLean, Bruce Willis. We're just going to call him John McLean. Is uh, going through here and figuring out what they're doing. Um, now, again, they do have Takagi in their uh, in their possession. And what are they looking for? You wonder. They're looking for computer codes in order to break, um, do it the easy way so they can get into the safe of the building. But uh, here we go. I'm going to play this scene, too. This is where Takagi refuses to give them the codes. You broke in here to access our computer? Any information you could get when they wake up in Tokyo in the morning, they'll change it. You won't be able to blackmail our executive, threaten our profit. Sit down. I'm really not interested in your computer. But I need the code key because I am interested in the $640 million in negotiable bearer bonds that you have locked in your vault. And the computer controls the vault. What money? What kind of terrorists are you? 
<laughs> Who said we were terrorists? <laughs> now, just to give you a little idea of what the sleuthing music is about, John McClane is actually in in another room but can see and hear what's going on while they're doing this. He's sneaking in as this, you know, kind of sleuthing, sneaky music is going on. So I, I did want you to know what was happening during this scene, and here we go. Seven safeguards on our vault and the code key is only one of them. You'll never get it open. Then there's no reason not to tell it to us. I told you. It's not over yet. It's a very nice suit, Mr. Takagi. To be ashamed to ruin it. I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Give me the code. One. Two. Three. I don't know it. I'm telling you. Get on the jet to Tokyo and ask the chairman. I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. Well... Um, he didn't care about that. Obviously, Hans has a backup plan. Um, but this is where they do know that someone is here because they hear as McLean scurries away, uh, they do hear him. So they know someone is in the building. They just don't know where or what or who. Um, so... You know, from here, though, this is where the, the the terrorists, I guess you could call them. They don't like to be called that, obviously. Obviously. Um, obviously. Because who said they were terrorists? But this is where McLean knows he needs to get the police involved one way or the other. He needs to find a way to get the cops out there. Um but he so what he does he goes up to the uh he goes up to one of the floors he pulls the fire alarm but it doesn't work they've already got that handled they call the cops they take care of it nothing happens finally though we do get to meet uh <clears throat> or actually before this part um you know they're they're sitting there. They have everyone under control finally, and I'm going to play a little bit of this part because McLean does kill one of the guys and ends up with a machine gun finally. Because in the beginning of the movie, all he has is his nine millimeter, which 
in my opinion, that's why the guy on the airplane in the beginning of the movie sees his gun. You know he is armed, and he does at least have his 9mm. So, finally, he does kill one of the terrorists and gets uh, a machine gun. And I'm going to play a little bit of this scene. I think I got this loaded up where it needs to be. Let's see. What do you think? Something's wrong. Cops? John. John. Oh, Christ, he can fuck this whole thing up. What does he think he's doing? His job. Bullshit. His job's 3,000 miles away. Without him, we still have a chance we might be able to get out of here. Tell that to Takagi. Now, that was Ellis talking to Holly... Uh, basically saying, you know, God damn it, your husband's going to fuck shit up. Now, since Holly is using her maiden name, the Hans doesn't know yet that John McClane, he, he didn't even know his name yet, but he has no clue that there's any relation here. <clears throat> Thank God. But uh, yeah, that scene goes, and he, like I said, he does end up killing one of them. Uh, he sends down a thing saying, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. So, yeah, definitely a Christmas movie. Can't fucking tell me it's not. Anytime. But he does finally go to the roof, uses that radio, gets a hold of the police, uh, they're not very happy with him because he's using an illegal way to get a hold of the police through a radio. Uh, but they do send a radio car, and this is where we meet Sergeant Al Powell, who's getting Twinkies for his <clears throat> pregnant wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's not really getting them for his pregnant wife. We all know he's not. Everyone knows, even the guy. But uh, he does get found when he's on the roof, John McClane does, because they finally figure out it's the only place he can make the transmission from, from the radio. And, of course, we do get now the scene that I even have in the beginning of the show and probably one of the most quotable lines from the movie. Here we go. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Yeah. There you go. And he's in the 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 duct system of the building yeah. when he does that. Um but <laughs> that part had to be played. Uh just because it's in the beginning of our uh it's in their uh, intro to our to our show. So, you got to play the part. But they do you know, and uh we do forget to mention the person that he killed, the terrorist he killed, is the brother of one of the guys named Carl in here. And Carl is a... He's kind of a badass in the group. He's probably the badass of the group, if you would say, the terrorist group. So... But they're going through the uh, the heating duct, or the air duct, looking for uh, McLean. They don't find him, thank God. But um, 
while they're doing that, like I said, the cops do come. This is where we get to meet Sergeant Al Powell, played by Reginald Vell Johnson. And um, I want to play a little bit of that part right here where he goes in, he thinks about walking through the building and then says, oh, fuck this, and walks out. He's about to call it in as an unfounded, you know, wild goose chase. And uh, this is where we really get uh, the movie turned around a little bit. Here we go. Hey, Lincoln 30 to dispatch. 8030, go ahead. Yeah, that's a wild goose chase over here at Nakatomi Plaza. Everything here is okay. Over. But nobody has me let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Uh, before I play the rest of the scene, uh, as he's getting ready to back out and says it's an unfounded call, a body that uh, Bruce Willis just killed finally comes slamming through his window because he's like, what the fuck? These guys got over on you. We need the cops here, so now the cops are definitely here. Here we go. This is uh, Sergeant Al Powell freaking out. Welcome to the party, pal. So he wrecks the car trying to get away. Um, he has no clue that it's actually Bruce Willis shooting at him, the the hero. Um, but this is where we also get to meet uh, Richard Thornburg, the asshole reporter that does end up actually having a cameo or a part in a couple others. Anthony, he's, he's, he's in the second one. At least. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm hmm. Uh, he's on the airplane with Holly in the second one, where uh, Sipowitz is uh, one of the main characters in that movie. So, like I said, I've, I'll always love the second one for that reason. <laughs> oh, but, uh. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know, the man. End, but, uh... <laughs> what? You want to play some more? Uh, I'm not going to play any more of that, but we do finally get to the part where uh, the cops are, you know, he does call the cops. They finally get there, and we do realize it's part of the plan, but uh, again, another scene with Ellis. Here we go. All of you relax. This is a matter of inconvenient timing. That's all. Police action was inevitable, and as it happens, necessary, so... Let them fumble about outside and stay calm. This is simply the beginning. I thought I told all of you I want radio silence until oh, further... I'm very sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on the bulletin board. I figure since I... Wax Tony and Marco and his friend here, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely, so... All right, so here we go. We do see that John McClane does finally get a hold of Hans. Now, you're... Maybe wondering how did he get all the names of some of these guys? 
Well, remember he was in the 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 the, the air system, climbing through the ducts. He was literally writing things on his arm, uh, yeah. like the Rock did. Uh, <laughs> and John Cena called him out so, so for I it. Mean, well, clearly he's like, I mean, you know, he's street smart and he's just, you know, common sense because, you know, he was using a lot of survival tactics. Now, obviously, this is only a movie, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if this were a real, obviously, you know, a, you know, a real life cop would, you know, maybe handle things differently. But do you think a real life cop in this same situation would survive this long? Because it kind of seems unbelievable that one cop, one random guy that, at that could survive all of this shit. I really believe most cops would have just let themselves get caught and waited with everyone else until maybe he saw a chance to get everyone out of there. Most cops wouldn't even have identified. I mean, most cops would have done the exact thing he did as not identifying themselves as a cop for a very long time until he had to. But I don't know if many cops would have done what he did. Crawling I doubt it. Vent, you know, the duck air duct system and, you know, throwing bodies out of windows. I mean, it's Hollywood creative license there, but I just thought oh, that yeah. was kind of like. That's the only movie, only aspect of the movie that you know you kind of got to like roll your eyes at a little bit. That one guy survived fucking eighteen hundred terrorists, like you established earlier. The guy's pretty fucking smart, so it's like that, that's kind of like a little uh, goofy. Yeah, yeah, but he, you know, he he does finally get a hold of him, and uh, let's play a little bit more of this. Let's roll from here a little more. Where to give you a call? How does he know so much about this? This is very kind of you. I see you are a mysterious party crasher. You are most troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? This. There, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me stop the seat. Now, right. Oh, shit. Now, right there. Hold on a second. I accidentally fucking just started the movie over no big deal but you see right there uh he makes that little one-liner and sorry hans you know would you like to go for double jeopardy that's what in my opinion i'm talking about when i say that you know you, you were asking me earlier what what made this movie so successful what made bruce willis so successful in these movies I think those little nuances are what made it. His his quips back, the way he delivered yeah. those quips back. You know what I mean? The the yeah. witty, holy shit. You know he he never sounds scared except for at one point in the movie he does, but you know he he never sounds scared. And even Hans looked at the radio like, "What the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy?" You know, making jokes and shit. He's not even fucking scared. Who, you know? So it, I think things like that are are part of what made this movie franchise so popular, so big. You know what I mean? But you know, he does. You know, uh, so like I said, since I just fucked up, I'm gonna go ahead and just go from there. But you know, 
the reporter from the, from here we go a little more the reporter does actually pick up on this story uh again Richard Thornburg played by William Atherton um does get this story and does go out there and you know he he literally tells the guy if you don't give me a truck I'm going to fucking steal one this is a story I promise you so he does that and um <clears throat> Give me a sec here. I fuck. I really fucked up here, but it's 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 a fixable fuck up, Anthony. Uh, give me one second here, and I'll fix this. Here we go. Now we go to a little more where after that, and McLean is still talking to Hans, and uh, let's pick up from here and see where we're at here. Hold on. There we go. This is Sergeant Al Powell of the Los Angeles Police Department. If the person who radioed for help can hear me on this channel, acknowledge this transmission. I say again. If the person who radioed for help on this channel can hear me, acknowledge this transmission. I read you, pal. You the guy in the car? What's left of him? Can you identify yourself? Not now. Maybe later. Listen fast, this is a party line, the neighbor's got itchy trigger fingers. All right, here's the deal. You got 30 or so hostages on the 30th floor. Leaders here's name's Hans. We have to find him and shut him up. He's telling them everything. Let him. I'm waiting for the FBI to arrive until then. He can waste as much time as he likes. But we must find the bag, Fritz. Okay, that's an important part. Uh, they're waiting for the FBI. See that right there? So... That's an important part because they are waiting for the FBI. There's a big reason they are, and I don't want to spoil it just yet. But they are waiting for the FBI. Now, one of the terrorists that uh, John McClane killed right in between the uh, where I fucked up had a bag that Hans needed very bad, and it had detonators in it. So... That's a big part in the movie, too. They do need these detonators back, like, no matter what. So, let's figure out what that is. I'm going to play a little more of this conversation, though, because it it shows that, uh, of course, we know why John McClane doesn't want to uh, identify himself. He doesn't want his wife in any danger. And he th that's the main reason he doesn't want to do it. And that's ab ab abundantly clear later in the movie, obviously, Anthony. And uh, oh, we'll yes, hear that definitely. in a minute. And I want, mm. I just wanted to point out real quick, mm -hmm. uh, when Hans finally figures out that, you know, they're one and the same in terms of their relationship, <laughs> and she kind of like, gets, you know, when he starts to flip out a little bit, <laughs> and she kind of put two and two together, that was a little uh, special scene for me, kind of funny. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that one, too. Uh, I'm going to play a little more of this scene, though, and uh, here we go. Go ahead, Lily. We must have the detonators. They got missiles, automatic weapons, and enough plastic explosives to orbit Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're down to nine now, counting the skydiver you made. Notice the Schwarzenegger reference? Yeah, <laughs> uh? and that was not by accident, I'm sure. Mm, I'm sure it wasn't. Here we go. These guys are mostly European, judging by their clothing labels, and... Cigarettes. They're well financed and very slick. 
Well, now, how do you know that? I've seen enough phony IDs in my time. I recognize that the ones they got must have cost a fortune. <sighs> Add all that up, I don't know what the fuck it means, but you got some badass perpetrators and they're here to stay. I hear you, partner. L.A.'s finest are on it. So light him if you got him. Way ahead of you, partner. So what do I call you? Call me... Roy. Well, listen up, Roy. Now, Roy is obviously... And I didn't play that part, but... The yippee Kaye motherfucker. But, you know, he called... Uh, he called one of the guys a cowboy... And, uh, you know, Hans called him a cowboy and he said, uh, I always thought of my or John Wayne and he said, oh, I always liked Roy Rogers better. So yippee Kaye motherfucker is a, it was really just yippee Kaye, not motherfucker, but yippee Kaye was a kind of a line from an old, uh, Roy Rogers movie. And, uh, yes. he made it his own with the motherfucker. Yeah. That came in later in the franchise. Yeah, and then Samuel L. Jackson took Motherfucker and just made that a whole thing. So, but yeah, yeah. we uh, exactly later in the franchise. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Al Powell is talking to him. Now, the scene I want to play next is actually only about 30 seconds more here. So, I'm just going to let the whole thing roll. And uh, he is still talking to Sergeant Al Powell, and um, Hans breaks in a little bit. Here we go. If you think of anything else you think we need to know, don't be I'll shy, okay? Kit. In the meantime, I want you to find a safe place to hold up and let us do our job. Understand? They're all yours, Al. <laughs> Alright, that's why I did that, because we didn't need to hear that part right there. Uh, so there you go. Al Powell kind of he thinks he's in charge of the situation, but eh, this is where we get Paul Gleason, Deputy Police Officer Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. Um, it's almost like he was playing the dickhead principal again, but with more power. Yeah. You know what I mean? So let's get to the part, though, right when he pulls up. That's right where I'm at now, and here we go. Fuck it. There we go. I am, sir. Sergeant Powell. Al Powell. Dwayne Robinson, Powell. What's the deal here? What do these pricks want? Well, if you mean the terrorists, sir, we don't exactly know. We haven't heard a peep from them. Well, who in the hell have you been talking to? We don't know that either, sir. He won't give us his name. But he appears to be the one who phoned in the report. He's killed one terrorist for sure, and he claims he's capped off two others. He claims? Powell, has it occurred to you he could be one of the terrorists pulling your chain or some nutcase in there? I don't think so, sir. In fact, I think he's a cop. Maybe not LAPD, but he's definitely a badge. How do you know that? A hunch. Things he said. Like being able to spot a phony ID. Jesus Christ, Powell! Give me a fucking bartender for all we know. TV's here. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, so there we go. We get uh, we get the deputy police chief, and he's obviously doesn't believe a goddamn word that uh, Powell is saying. You can see that right there. But uh, we know Al Powell is right. Um, 
And, you know, before we get to this next scene, uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'll admit, I got to piss like a motherfucker. So we are going to take a pee break. We will be back in uh, three or four minutes. We'll see y'all soon. Thank you. Goodbye for a minute. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. We are back. God damn it, I had to pee. Uh, anyway, we are back. We are in the middle of Die Hard. Anthony, you're there, right? Yep. Loud and yeah. clear. Yeah, loud and clear. Yeah. Uh, Anthony is there, and <laughs> um, we... We've established a police are now there, uh, and that's fine because Hans is waiting for the FBI. But since Takagi is gone, uh, people are uh, looking to get some things done, and Holly becomes the spokesperson to go get some uh some things done and she has to go talk to Hans. So let's just play that and we'll go from there. I have a request. What idiot put you in charge? You did. When you murdered my boss. Now everybody's looking to me. Personally I pass on the job. I don't enjoy being this close to you. Now, before we get to her demands, I just want to put out, obviously, they're putting her as a really ballsy chick. You know what I mean? Uh, they said before she was she was built for the business, she was made for the business. Now she's talking to this guy like she really has no fear. She's a a tough chick. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... All right, let's go it, ahead and it, get to her. Basically, it's like, it's, yeah, I was just no, saying in that little moment you kind of saw like what he saw in her, what McLean saw in her from a character right. standpoint. Exactly. So let's uh, let's get to her demands, and we'll go from there. Go on. We have a pregnant woman out there. Relax, she's not due for a couple of weeks, but sitting on that rock isn't doing her back any good. So I would like permission to move her to one of the offices where there's a sofa. No, but I'll have a sofa brought out to you. Good enough? Good enough. And unless you like it messy, I'd start bringing us in groups to the bathroom. Yes, you're right. It will be done. Was there something else? No, thank you. Okay, now while she's doing that at the end of that little speech there, she's looking at something and he 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 sort of notices what he's what she's looking at and there's a picture turned over. And uh he doesn't turn it over yet, but uh that'll be another part in the movie. And uh you know, so she even makes some demands now we get to the reporter who's obviously trying to get this story. Argyle still. We can't forget about Argyle. Argyle's uh, 
sporadically shown through the movie so we don't forget about him. <laughs> you know? He really is. Just they throw him in like, yeah. hey, don't forget about Argyle, everybody. We gotta uh, we gotta let you know he's yeah. still there. He's still there. Uh, but no, I, no, it's like one of those situations where it's like whenever it seemed like he was like the comic relief. Like whenever things would get too heavy, they would mm-hmm. kind of go to him, lower to him to kind of like add a little bit more levity. So it's not such a you know down the whole way through. Yeah, I would go with that. I, I would definitely go with that. They sort of did. But they were obviously, they didn't want you to forget about him. Um, but uh, they decide, the police now I'm talking about, decide they're going to go ahead and go in. Uh, and this is not the best idea. Uh, John McClane obviously is a little freaked out by this. And uh, we're going to go ahead and play a little bit of this. Again, this kind of uh, shapes a little bit of who... Dwayne T. Robinson is, he's a, he's the glory hound in the movie. He's the glory hound cop of the movie. Would would that be fair to say, Anthony? I guess so. All right, let's go ahead and roll this scene. Pal. Pal, you still with me, babe? What's going on? Yo, Al. I'm here, Roy. But I'm kind of busy right now. I'll talk to you later. Ah, uh, what's wrong? What's going on? I said I'll talk to you later, Roy. If you are what I think you are, then you'll know when to listen, when to shut up, and... and when to pray. Jesus Christ, you're coming in. That's it, isn't it? Christ, pal, I told you what kind of people you're dealing with here. All right, let's load them up. Blue, go. So, they'll be coming. Everyone get ready. Uh, real quick, they switch to Theo, uh, who is the guy breaking into the save, played by Andreas Wisinski. Um, Jesus, I hope I oh, I said that name completely wrong. Wisowski. Oh, fuck that. Uh, Andreas W. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Anthony, if you can say that name, you do it. Okay. No. So... They go to him. He's the the techie of the group, I would say. And uh, they go to him and um, play a little bit of this. Because again, showing that they're very intelligent criminals instead of just, uh, you know, any thug off the street. So here we go. Argyle is trying to get out, and we failed to mention an important part in the movie, Anthony. We failed to mention that John McClane is barefoot. And that's going to come into play in a couple minutes here. 
But he is barefoot. Argyle is doing everything he can to get out of the building, but can't get out of the building because they've got the motherfucker locked down. Um, Now, we do get here, and they're trying to get into the building. And uh, I'm going to play a little more of this. Here we go. Oh, hold on. Actually, I'm going to go a little further. Uh, and then I will start playing it. Give me a minute here. Argyle finally figures out he ain't fucking going nowhere. Um, and just sits there. So we go from there. Give me another second here. And here we go. We're going to play a little more as they start running in the building. Macho assholes. No, no! <clears throat> All right. Listen up, guys. Was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the four assholes coming in the rear in standard two by two cover formation. Okay, we're all set. We're ready. Kick ass. Go! Right, let's do it. Now, before we finish that part, there's one character. Anthony, are you back yet? No, he's not back yet. There's a character I do want to bring up. Uh, Give me one second here, and I will actually get that gentleman's name. We've spoke about him a few times in... um, in a few other movies. We actually spoke about him in a movie that we did a couple of months ago, uh, Last Action Hero, Al Leong. Uh, This guy was in tons of movies. He always played the bad guy. He never really had any lines, but he was always the, the badass uh he goes back to 1983 this guy to the greatest american hero tv series he was in an episode night rider magnum pi but finally started getting in some movies uh big trouble little china was his first actual movie he was in lethal weapon he was the guy that um was shocking mel gibson in the shower uh that was him that was the same guy there um he was obviously like i in this movie black rain which was an incredible fucking movie but he was uncredited in that movie um death warrant of uh, a van damme movie <clears throat> last action hero again like i said we we did talk about him he was uncredited even in that movie but I recognized him from that movie. Uh, he has a lot of parts that he's uncredited for. Escape from L.A., The Replacement Killer, it's uncredited, uncredited. Godzilla from 1998, uncredited. Lethal in 4, he's a triad member, uncredited. So this guy's been in a shit 
shitload of fucking movies, but has been uncredited for many of them. But, you know, we a lot of times talk about some underrated guys. This guy you should know, and probably the main part you know him from is the part in Lethal Weapon where he's, uh, you know, it's it's right when uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover are both caught yeah, uh, it's the first one I'm talking about, and they're in the um, you know the the building with Gary Busey, and the the guy who's actually shocking. The, the, I think his name is Endo. I I didn't I didn't see, but I think his name is Endo in that movie, and uh, he's shocking Mel Gibson with the battery and the little you know pads on there, the sponges. That's that's him. And he's been in so many movies. <clears throat> it's kind of sad that he's uncredited because, you know, the guy's done so many goddamn movies. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad IMDb at least has him saying that it's uncredited so he gets some sort of credit for it. But uh, I'll play a little more of this part and we'll uh, roll from there. They're shooting at him. It's panic fire, they can't see anything. They're shooting at the lights. They're going after the lights. Pull them back. It's not happening. Mike! Burn. Don't be impatient. Just wound them. Get them back, they're sitting ducks no, up no, there. They're almost light. in. Get them back! Almost in. Send in the car. Send in the car. All right. Uh, they send in an RV. It gets exploded. But um, one of the reasons I believe that they didn't want to kill the cops is because they didn't want the cops to have the vengeance and not get the FBI involved. They really needed the FBI involved. So yeah, I believe that's why they... Later. Right, right, right. I believe that's why they didn't want to actually kill the cops. Um, and he said just wound them. But uh, they do go and they do blow up the goddamn RV. Good to have you back, Anthony. I'm always here. <laughs> Yeah, except for the last three questions I've asked you. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, the one question you that I did ask you that you can still answer is still relevant to the movie. I, I said that Paul Gleason, uh, you know, the deputy police chief, was the glory hound in the movie. Uh, w would you agree with that he's the glory hound cop and that's sort of why he's trying to, uh, you know, get the, get these guys and why they go in early and everything? I can see that. All right. All right. I mean, it, 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 I just don't know any other word to use for it besides the glory hound cop. So, but, uh, yeah, they're going in, they're tearing up everything in here and uh they do blow up everything pretty much now while they're doing this uh 
you know, they're killing cops while they're blowing up this RV, which, you know, they weren't supposed to, but obviously uh, Hans changed the plan a little bit. After that, it's... um, I'm right here at the conversation that he has with Al after that. Here we go. Oh, Al, do you copy? Oh, he did blow up the building. He, uh, he being Bruce Willis, uh, character John McClane, we did mention he had the detonators. He also has some C4. He threw it down. He exploded part of the Nakitomi building. And, um... This is where we're picking up from. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <coughs> what, what was that? Remember that plastic explosive I told you about? Yeah. There you go. Is the building on fire? No, but it's going to need a paint job and a shitload of screen doors. Our spotters say you got two with that blast. Is that him? Is that him? Yes, sir. Now, you listen to me, mister. I don't know who in the hell you think you are or what you're doing, but you just destroyed a building. Now, we do not want your help. Is that clear? We don't want your help. I've got 100 people down here, and they're covered with glass. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? This is Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson, and I am in charge of this situation. Oh, you're in charge? Well, I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of jack shit. You listen to me, you little asshole. I'm a- Asshole? I'm not the one who just got butt-fucked on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> now you listen to me, jerk-off. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Quit being part of the fucking problem and put the other guy back on. Alright, so obviously this scene sort of brings up a lot because... This is the scene where you see that he has no use for bosses. That becomes apparent in every other diehard from here on out. He's always fighting the bosses. He's anti-boss. He's the rogue cop. And this sort of... It's almost like they... they foreshadowed this film was going to be huge so they could keep going and he could keep, you know, shitting on his bosses. Know what I mean, Anthony? Very good point. Yeah, 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 Yeah. definitely. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes a company man or a kiss ass. So maybe by establishing him as the badass, they were just like, "Mm, we got a hit on his hand. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. You're like, it's like, what else? What else was big in the '80s? Big business. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, corporate America was taking over everything, and here you got every man fighting against the system. So, that might be another reason why this movie kind of became a brick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's. I'm just gonna finish up this scene a little bit because uh, Al says a few things here that kind of shape their. Uh, relationship, I guess. Here we go. Hey, Roy, how you feeling? Pretty fucking unappreciated, Al. Hey, look, I love you. So do a lot of the other guys. So you hang in there, man. You hear me? You hang in there. Yeah, thanks, partner. All right. 
Now we get to one of the best scenes and the worst scenes in the movie. Um, why is it the best scene? It's because we have Ellis in the whole scene. And yes, I'm playing the whole fucking scene. I love Ellis. I, again, I wish Ellis had lived because I think he should have been a character in every fucking movie. But he didn't. And let's go ahead and see Ellis again. Right when I start this, he's going to be snorting coke. And uh, we'll go from there. Let's just start where Ellis is snorting coke. What are you doing? I'm tired of sitting here waiting to see who gets us killed first, them or your husband. What are you going to do? Hey, babe, I negotiate million-dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this Euro trash. Hey, frequency talk, huh? If you listen to me, he would be neutralized already. I don't want neutral. I want dead. Hope I'm not interrupting. What does he want? It's not what I want. It's what I can give you. Look, let's be straight, okay? It's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses, am I right? You're very perceptive. I watch 60 Minutes. I say to myself, these guys are professional. They're motivated. They're happening, i.e., they want something, huh? Now, personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. Maybe you're pissed off at the camel jockeys. Maybe it's the Hebes, Northern Island. It's none of my business. I figure you're here to negotiate. Am I right? You're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans... Booby. Uh, by the way, booby, the Yiddish word for grandmother. Just ah. wanted to throw that out. Yes, the Jew wanted to throw out a little bit of knowledge. There you go. Let's roll. I'm your white knight. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed 60 minutes. What are you saying? The guy upstairs is fucking things up, huh? I can give them to you. All right. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to play the whole scene because some of the scene is uh, a little, you know, weird. Actually, I'm going to play the more of this scene because Al gets a hold of him after this. And uh, they're talking a little bit. And uh, that's when they do get uh, Hans breaks in and starts. Now he knows who he is. And here we then go. You're all twinkling. What did I put in these things anyway? Sugar and rich flour, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, and yellow dye number five. Just everything a growing boy needs. How many kids you got, Al? Well, as a matter of fact, my wife is working on our first. How about you, cowboy? You got any kids back on your ranch? Yeah. Sure hope I can see him swinging on a jungle gym with Al Jr. someday. <laughs> well, now that's a date. <laughs> but uh, you're going to have to bring the ice cream. Touching, cowboy, touching. Or should I call you Mr. McLean? Mr. Officer John McLean of the New York 
Get on the phone to Harry in New York. Come on, baby, move. move. Got it. You better get hold of somebody in dispatch. Sister Teresa called me Mr. McLean in the third grade. My friends call me John. You're neither shithead. I have someone who wants to talk to you. A very special friend who was with you at the party tonight. All right, let's pause it there. Now, obviously, at this point, he thinks he, John McClane, thinks that he's got his wife in, in there already, and somehow he found out. Um, we know it's Ellis, and we now hear where Ellis tries to get John to just give himself up, and it doesn't turn out very good. Here we go. Ready, Anthony? Are you ready? Yep. Always. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you really ready? Are you ready? ready? Yes. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that. That that (laughs) (laughs) But I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Hey, John Boy. Ellis? Listen, John, give me a few minutes to try to talk some sense into you. I know you think you're doing your job, John, and I can appreciate that, but you're just dragging this thing out. Now, look, no one gets out of here until these guys can talk to the L.A. police, and that just ain't gonna happen until you stop messing up the works, capiche? Ellis, what have you told them? I told them we were old friends and you were my guests at the party. Ellis, you shouldn't be doing this. Tell me about it. All right, real... Oop, hold on. Real quick, I pause to say, Ellis did one smart thing, if you didn't catch it. He did cover for uh, Holly. He did say that he invited him to the party. He didn't you know, throw Holly under the bus. He didn't expose her. He didn't blow her cover, if you will, to use a cop term. But, uh, you know, he, again, we showed he did care for her, which obviously is why he did that. Let's go ahead and finish. All right, John, listen. John, didn't you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Hey, John, I think you could get with the program a little, huh? The police are here now. It's their problem. Now, tell these guys where the detonators are so no one else gets hurt. You know, I'm putting my life on the line for you, pal. Ellis, listen to me very carefully. John. Shut up, Ellis. Just shut your mouth. Put Hans back on the line. Hans, this shithead does not know what kind of man you are, but I do. Listen Good, then you'll give us what we want and save your friend's life. You're not part of this equation. It's time you realized that. Hey, what am I, a method actor, Hans? <laughs> Babe, put away the gun. This is radio, not television. <laughs> Hans, this asshole is not my friend. I just met him tonight. I don't know him. Jesus Christ, Ellis, these people are going to kill you. Tell them you don't know me. <laughs> John, how can you say that after all these years, huh? John. John. 
Yeah, that's the end of Ellis. And like I said, I hate that it happened. I really love that character. I think he should have been in every movie. I think that's the one character that should have been in every fucking movie. Uh, and and, and I, I do agree with you. Argyle should have been another character in every movie because you know, John seemed to like him. You know what I mean? So, uh, but obviously the, the dickhead glory hound didn't appreciate that. And here we go. I'm going to play this scene right here. He just let the guy die, man. He just gave him up. Give me that headset. That's like pulling the trigger Christ, yourself. man. Can't you see what's happening? Can't That's you cold. read between the lines? It's on the right channel? Yes, sir. He did everything he could to save him. If he gave himself up, they'd both be dead right oh, now. No way, man, no way. They'd be talking to us. Listen, you tell this partner of yours, pal, to stay the hell out of this from now on, do you hear me? Because if he doesn't, I'm going to nail him, boy. I'm really going to nail his ass now, believe the me. The man is hurting. He is alone, tired, and he hasn't seen diddly squat from anybody down here. Now, you're going to stand there and tell me that he's going to give a damn about what you do to him if he makes it out of there alive? Why don't you wake up and smell what you're shoveling? You listen to me, Sergeant. Anytime you want to go home, you consider yourself dismissed. No, sir. You couldn't drag me away. Attention, police. Attention, police. All right. Real quick, this is where Hans is going to throw out some of his demands. I use that term loosely. He's not really throwing out demands here. He's really just stalling for time. Um... And uh, I do want to play this scene. Yeah, that's all he's doing. I'm going to play this scene, too. Um, not much more left, so let's go ahead and roll it. This is Sergeant Al Powell. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, Deputy Chief Dwayne Robinson. Who is this? This is Hans Gruber. I assume you realize the futility of direct action against me. We have no wish for further loss of life. Well, uh, what is it you do wish for, Mr. Gruber? I have comrades in arms around the world languishing in prison. The American State Department enjoys rattling its saber for its own ends. Now I can rattle it for me. The following people are to be released from their captors. In Northern Ireland, the seven members of the new Provo Front. In Canada, the five imprisoned leaders of Liberté de Québec. In Sri Lanka, the nine members of the Asian Dawn. What the fuck? I read about them in Time magazine. When these revolutionary brothers and sisters are free, the hostages in this building will be taken to the roof and they will accompany us in helicopters to the Los Angeles International Airport where they will be given further instructions. You have two hours to comply. Wait, wait a minute, uh, Mr. Gruber. I, this is crazy. I, 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 I don't have the authority. I, I can't authorize. Two hours is not enough. Hello? 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 Danny, did you get all that? Let's go. We got to make some calls. Do you think they'll even try to do it? Who cares? So there you go. Really, all they're doing, again, we said, is buying time with this. Uh, they're doing everything they can, really, to get the FBI there. 
and you know you you're wondering what the fuck are they doing trying to get the FBI there um there's a <clears throat> again a method to their madness too uh one of the methods is to get the FBI there in order to get the shit shut down the electrical shutdown now you got to believe me hold there's on. nothing I can real quick I do want to play this part because this is where <clears throat> you know uh, Bruce Willis is trying to explain himself to Al and uh let's go ahead and roll it from right give me 2 seconds here right here yeah Oop. I'm here John I'm here you got to believe me there's nothing I could do well, it's going to be both our asses if you're wrong. I hear you. Did you catch that bullshit Hans was running? Doesn't make sense, man. Hey, don't ask me, man. I'm just a desk jockey who was on my way home when you rang. Well, you drove that car. I figured you for the street, Al. In my youth. In my youth. An author of... Hostage terrorist, terrorist All right. hostage. So that's another. Oh, hold on. That's sort of another important part right there. Uh, because we do find out later why Al is a desk jockey. But, um, you know, again, we go to uh, <clears throat> the news and, you know, they're the, the, the dickhead reporter is still trying to get things now once they show the next scene we go to hans and he's trying to find and make sure everything's okay with the uh roof because we do find out that there's sort of a double cross and that he's going to bring everyone to the roof, all the hostages, and then explode or blow up the roof. So we find that out as he's talking. And uh, right when he jumps down, as he's checking the detonators, he runs into John McClane. And uh, let's play some of that right here. Here we go. Hi there. How you doing? Oh! Please, God, no! You're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. No, no, don't kill me, please! No, please! Don't kill me, don't kill me, please! please whoa, whoa, please, whoa, please, relax. Please. Relax, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna hurt you! What are you doing up here? What were you looking for? I managed to get out of there, and uh, well, I was just trying to get up on the roof and see if I could signal for help. You know, it's just from here. Why, do, why don't you come in and help? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, we forget the roof. I said forget the roof. I got people all over. Okay, now, real quick, at that point, Hans was trying to go for his gun. They do make that abundantly clear in the movie where they show his gun, um, which looks to be a uh, Walther PPK, the James Bond gun, <laughs> yeah. by looking at it. Um, 
That's what I would guess. It's a uh, Walther PBK. Sorry. I got... I I do actually have a PPK. (laughs) The James Bond gun. I do actually have one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Dude, I think everyone owns... Every gun enthusiast has the uh the James Bond gun, the Walther PPK. So, yeah, there you go, but they do show him going for his gun. Now, I'm going to play a little more of this scene. Come on, you want to stay alive, you stay with me. Well, the best the best way we can figure it is we've got maybe 30 or 35 hostages up there, probably on the 30th floor and maybe uh well, I don't know, seven or eight terrorists up there. Sounds like an A7 scenario. Thank you. We'll handle it from here. All right. Now, he is talking to the FBI. Paul Gleason is. Um, the FBI have taken over at this point. And, uh, by the way, there are two agents named Johnson. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. What do you think about that one, Anthony? I'm blanking on the other guy's name. I remember Johnson, but the other guy's name I'm blanking on. Well, they're both last name is Johnson. You remember that, right? The last name of both of them is Johnson. Johnson and Johnson. Yes. I wonder if that was a joke somewhere. (laughs) I wonder if it was, too. Um, Even going in... I'm going through uh, IMDb here. The full credits and uh they don't even list them as their names all right here we go uh it was special agent big fbi special agent big johnson and fbi special agent oh. little johnson um yeah, this was a joke. wow this was, this was a joke imdb clearly imdb going completely fucking racist here uh, <laughs> Big Johnson and Little Son Johnson. Son of a bitch. You, come on, Box. You set me up. You did this on purpose. <laughs> this was uh, <laughs> Robert Davey. Uh, Robert Davey playing uh, Big Johnson and Grand L. Bush playing Little Johnson. Let's give them a couple of movies that we've seen them in to at least make them seem like uh, legit actors. Um, Big Johnson has, uh, Big Johnson being Robert Davey has actually done 146 movies with a bunch right now in post-production. So, you know, let's, uh, let's give him a little bit of fucking credit here. He's been acting since... The let's see, a 1977 uh, shows like let's go here shows like The Incredible Hulk, Trapper John M.D. Dynasty, Hill Street Blues, Sane Elsewhere, uh, Heart to Heart. I like that show. The Goonies. He was Jake in the Goonies, so he was in the Goonies. L.A. Law. You keep going here. See if he's been in Body Count, the movie. I saw that. Um, but yeah, not a. I do recognize the guy, but 
Uh, he's been in Criminal Minds. He was actually in two episodes of that the, uh, as a detective. Nip Tuck. So still doing acting as of today. Don't, uh, you know, but uh, the other guy, Little Johnson, <laughs> I even feel bad saying it, has been acting since 1976. Again, he's been in Good Times, Roots, the miniseries, uh, Stir Crazy. <laughs> Hell yeah, Stir Crazy. Uh Lethal Weapon 2, he was Jerry Collins. License to Kill, he was in. Free Jack, he was Boone. I like that movie, Free Jack. Turbulence, he was in. He was a marshal in the movie Turbulence. That was with uh, Snipes. And uh, mm, hasn't done much since 2016. But, you know, they're, they're, they deserved more than just Big Johnson and Little Johnson. So, I don't know. We'll go ahead and, uh, you know, from there, let's see here. From there, where do we go? Uh, anyway, the... Come and do your men, oh. we'll try and let you know. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, they do go in. The FBI finally takes over. Um, Hans does expose himself finally to um, Bruce Willis and... Once he does, what they do is, we did mention, and when you were gone for a minute there, I mentioned, one of the important parts of the movie is Bruce Willis is barefoot, and they do shoot out the glass in one of the uh, offices he's hiding out in, and he crawls into the bathroom bleeding like a motherfucker from his feet, and... uh you know he's he's pretty much beat the fuck up in every Die Hard, and that's kind of the theme of Die Hards. He's beat to hell, uh, but this one might be the worst. He's bleeding from his feet and everywhere else in this movie, um, but uh, this is where he does kind of uh, another part where he gets a hold of Al. And uh, makes a little plea. And we're going to go ahead and go from there. He's in the bathroom after that scene where he's getting the glasses shot out. And uh, talking to Al. Yeah. But all things being equal, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Chalk up two more bad guys. Well, the boys down here will be glad to hear that. You know we got a pool going on you. What kind of odds am I getting? You don't want to know. Put me down for 20. I'm good for it. <laughs> hey, pal. You got flat feet? What the hell are you talking about, man? Something had to get you off the street. What's the matter? You don't think jockeying papers across a desk is a noble effort for a cop? No. I had an accident. Drive, I can see why. What'd you do? Run over your cabin, flip with the car. I shot a kid. He was 13 years old. Oh, it was dark. I couldn't see him. He had a ray gun look real enough. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a cop except how to live with a mistake. I 
just couldn't bring myself to draw my gun on anybody again. Sorry, man. Hey, man. How could you know? I feel like shit anyway. Well, then this won't matter. The LAPD is not calling the shots down here anymore. Feds? You got it. Alright, those are the city engineers. Alright, there you go. So, he does find out, and that's actually an important part in the movie, that Al can't pull his gun because of an accident he had. Um, but there's another reason that uh, um, Hans was waiting for the FBI, Anthony. And you know why, and I know why. But now we find out why. He needed him to shut down the power. Because once they shut the power down... It gave them the seventh lock that they needed to unlock because uh, that's was the only reason. Um, actually, I guess I can play a little bit more of this scene. Here we go. They're going into the street circuits. And those guys in the suits, I don't know who they are. That's the FBI. They're ordering the others to cut the building's power. Regular as clockwork. Or a timeline. Precisely. The circuits that cannot be cut are cut automatically in response to a terrorist incident. You ask for miracles, dear. I give you the FBI. I said I want the friggin' building shut down. I got a problem. I don't care what your problem is. I don't give two shits about your switch. I want the building out. You don't understand. You can't do it from here. Yeah, you could. It, it can't be done from here. I could just down at the rate. We can't do it from down here, I'm telling you. It's got to be done from downtown. They've got to take out a whole city grid. We're talking... All right, so they do get the power shut down. Uh, but now you see why they were waiting for the FBI. The FBI is going to go by the terrorist playbook. Terrorist playbook says down thing you do shut down the the power in the building. It sweats the guys out, and that's what they do. So that's why they're doing it, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. Um, once they do that, obviously. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, about too late in the movie to bring the uh, FBI in. Do you think they should have had a presence earlier in the movie? No. No, 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 no. The FBI is not going to get there quickly. They're going to wait. That's there's there it it was good timing to bring the FBI in. Couldn't bring them in any so they earlier. Came at the right time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially yeah. um but again, McLean is in the building trying to take out every bad guy he can. He does take out a couple more bad guys, uh terrorists, and he is now in the bathroom realizing shit's going pretty bad. This is kind of a a tender moment in the movie where he uh, gets a hold of Al and kind of tells him, uh, if I don't, you know, basically, if I don't make it, I need you to tell my wife something. So here we go. Yo, pal, you got a minute? 
I'm here, John. Listen, man, I'm starting to get a bad feeling up here. I want you to do something for me. Um, <clears throat> I want you to find my wife. Don't ask me how, by then you'll know how. Uh, I want you to tell her something. I want you to tell her that... Um, I told her it took me a while to figure out...
that's what this is all about? Fucking robbery? Put down the gun. Why'd you have to nuke the whole building, Hans? Well, when you steal $600, you can just disappear. When you steal $600 million, they will find you, unless they think you're already dead. Put down the gun. You got me. Still the cowboy. Mr. McLean, Americans all alike. Well, this time John Wayne does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. It's Gary Cooper, asshole. Enough jokes. You made a pretty good cowboy yourself, Hans. Oh, yes. What was it you said to me before? Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> So we do see here there that uh, basically John McClane had a gun taped to his back. Uh, and they do go through. And uh, after this whole scene, he does shoot Hans. Hans is hanging from the building. But he also has Holly with him. And eventually he gets his watch off. Hans does fall down. And he's dead. So there you go. That whole scene is over. But there's a little more left to this movie after that. Because um, after it, he finally finds Al, who he's just been talking to, has never met. And um, once they do, you know, they give each other a hug. There's a whole, you know, big scene in the movie. And then uh, Carl, though, does live somehow. Comes back and uh, here we go. My whole computer. Yep. My whole computer. Yep. My whole computer. Yep. My whole computer. Yep. My whole computer locked. My whole computer locked. My whole computer locked up. 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 Computer locked up. Computer locked up. Computer locked up. I computer locked up. I don't computer locked up. I don't computer locked up. I don't know 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 if any. 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 I don't know if anybody. 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 I don't know if anybody can know if anybody can even. Anybody can even. Anybody can even hear. Anybody can even hear. Anybody can even hear me. Anybody can even hear me. Anybody can even hear me. Right. 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 Now. Anybody can even hear me. Right. Now. They can even hear me. Right. Now. You can even hear me. Right. Now. Can even hear me. Right. Now. Even hear me. Right. Now. Give me a second here.
Nope, nobody can fucking hear me right now. Hold on one second, everybody. I'll uh, try to come back. Give me a second here. Everybody can finally hear me now. Anthony, are you there? No, I have lost Anthony. Uh, so, yeah, but that was pretty much the end of the movie right there. Anyway, um, the only trivia I have is really that's relevant to the movie. The building they use as Nakatomi was actually the 20th century Fox building, um, which is, you know, sort of a, obviously a huge, huge building. And they actually, here's something funny, uh, the company charged itself rent for use of the unfinished building. So... Uh, Anthony, I don't have you online here for some reason, but I do hear that you're there. Um, but it's not a big deal, man. I'm going to go ahead and actually end the show. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and end this. I, you can catch me and Anthony right here next week. We'll be on here. Um, I believe he was mentioning maybe doing a uh, Christmas vacation just because we haven't done that yet. And, uh, we'll see. Maybe that'll be the movie for next week. Stay tuned. But, um, oh, Anthony's getting, trying to get back to me right now. Uh, go ahead and catch me and Shaheen, by the way. We'll be here on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night we are here, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Mixler dot com slash thd podcast you can also uh listen uh join us at the uh facebook facebook.com slash group slash thd podcast always good conversations going on there and uh catch shaheen and jcat morris they're usually um on uh on here sundays sometimes they're live sometimes they're not but uh catch them on itunes there you go. And on that note, you guys have a great night, and we will see you guys next week. Have an excellent Christmas time. Uh, only a couple of days till Christmas, so obviously we uh, want you guys to have a great Christmas. And thank you very much for listening, and we will see all of you guys next week on THD Movie Review. Later. Now go home and get your fucking shine box.